looking to sound like you know what's going on in the world? Pop culture, social strategy, comedy, and other funny stuff? Well, join the club and settle in for the Jeff Dwoskin Show. It's not the podcast we deserve, but the podcast we all need with your host, Jeff Dwoskin. All right, Michael. Thank you so much for that amazing introduction. You get the show going each and every week, and this week was no exception. Welcome, everybody, to episode 108 of Live from Detroit, the Jeff Dewaskin Show. As always, I am your host, Jeff Dewaskin. Great to have you back for another fantastic episode. This episode has both the somber feels and the happy feels. I'm excited to share with you a conversation that I had with my friend for Carlo Flanagan, comedian, actor, hilarious individual. I was so excited. It was December 2020. My wife and I were watching the Mad About You reboot, and Ricardo Flanagan comes on in the final scene of the final episode, and I just got so excited, and I called him, and then we scheduled an interview that took place in January 2021, and we had caught up. We hadn't talked in a while, and he had moved to L.A. from the time we had done comedy together in Michigan, but it was so great to catch up. You're like, Jeff, that was that was a long time ago. I know I get you know, I do so many of these interviews and then I get behind and it takes time. And then during the pandemic, we were all shocked in October of 2021 to learn that Ricardo had passed away. It was such a shock to all of us that that were friends with him. And it was such a loss. It's such a loss when you lose someone who's just so funny and such a bright star in the world. And so after that, I I just I kind of just sat on the interview. And then as time went on, I kind of got the courage to re-listen to it and edit it and present it to you today. It's so sad that, you know, when you lose someone and, but I'm so excited though, to share the conversation, such a fun conversation we had. We hadn't talked in so long, laughing and having a good time and catching up. As I was editing the interview, it was interesting. I was like, oh, if I had known this was the last time we'd talk, I would have asked different questions, maybe, you know gone in different directions, you know, the things you think about. But on the other hand, also just happy to have had the conversation and just capture how excited Ricardo was to get where he had gotten and what the future held for him. I know you're going to enjoy the interview and that's coming up in just a few minutes. I hope you all had time to check out my interview with Blanca Blanco last week. Such an amazing, inspirational story Blanca shared with us. Definitely check that out. It's all in her book, Breaking the Mold, but also we cover so many of the threads in the interview. I had never gotten that many responses that fast to an interview from when people listen to Blanca tell her story. So thank you to everyone who reached out. I love hearing from you. I love the little notes, everything. It means a lot. It really does. Keeps me going. Check that out. Go to jeffisfunny.com. Catch all the episodes. Subscribe wherever you want to subscribe. Buy me coffee. Do whatever you want. Enjoy. Also, thanks for the notes. I'm glad everyone's enjoying the Thursday bonus episodes, which are curated segments from our live Crossing the Streams that we do every Wednesday at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time, live on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter, where we talk about TV shows you should be binging. Some of you are like, I can't make it to that show, so I just shove it right into your ears now every Thursday. So, (laughs) So glad you're enjoying that. Quick shout out to Dan Zare, host of the greatest Star Wars podcast in the world, Coffee with Kenobi. Just celebrated 500 episodes. Kudos to you, sir. Also, shout out to Maria Daniels' children for starring in my Connect Four commercial in episode 104 with Rajiv Satyal. Thank you very much. 
Also, on a personal note, if you're in Michigan, go to ourdetroit, H-O-U-R, Detroit.com, and vote for Live from Detroit, the Jeff Duoskin Show, in the best podcast category. Thank you so much. And now it's time for the social media tip. All right, this is the fun part of the show where I share a little bit of my social media knowledge with you. A little 411 I picked up on the street so we can all raise our social media game together. Okay, so here's a little interesting function that I just found that Twitter now offers. When you go to tweet a video or a photo, you can actually now warn the entire world that your video or photo is sensitive in nature. Twitter is solving the problem of sensitive content with self-regulation. Because, you know, if people posting sensitive information, the first thing they want to do is warn you. But if you are of the ilk that where you're like, yes, I am about to post some sexy photo of me, and I want to warn the world that this is incoming sexiness. If you go to the photo that you've added or the video and you click edit, There's a little flag icon, and then you can choose nudity, violence, or sensitive. So you can add your own content warning to keep your photo from the eyes of sensitive people that may be emotionally impacted from seeing the photo or video you are now sending. Go save the world. And that's the social media tip. I do want to take a second and thank everyone who supports the sponsors. When you support the sponsors, you're supporting us here at Live from Detroit, the Jeff Duoskin Show. And that's how we keep the lights on. Today's interview sponsor is the Alibi Room, located in fabulous Chicago, Illinois. Voted best worst bar in Chicago, 12 years running. If you need a drink, there's no shame in heading over to the Alibi Room. They've got all the drinks. All right, well, if you need a drink, head on over to the Alibi Room in Chicago. I, th- I think they have online ordering, so if you don't live in Chicago, you can just order it on their website. So check that out. But now it's time for me to share my conversation I had with Ricardo Flanagan with you, comedian, actor, rapper, but most importantly, an amazing human being who we lost way too soon. All right, ladies and gentlemen, special guest today. I'm very excited to catch up with my old friend, comedian Ricardo Flanagan. How are you, my friend? I'm good, bro. How are you, man? How are you? Good to hear your voice after seven years. I think it's been about seven years since I've heard or seen you. I know. It's it's crazy. I mean, I know we Facebook you and stuff, but yeah, this is me the other day. I'm sitting with my wife. And we're watching the Mad About You reboot because it's on Amazon Prime now. And we're cranking through and we're cranking through. And that last episode comes up and I'm like, holy crap, I think that's Ricardo playing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, y'all responsible for a 10 cent residual that I'm going to get now since y'all was watching it. That's, that'll work. Hell yeah. Ten, yeah. Old 10 cent coming, baby. Getting rolling in the money. <laughs> rolling. Do you get, is that what you get? Is that how it works? Uh, usually I don't, it depends on how many times people watch it. it it's, it's like, uh, sometimes it'll be like $7 a watch or $10 or $20. And then sometimes it'll go down to five cent. Uh, it just depends. Like it, I don't even really know. I have to read it, but I think like they, after the first initial airing, then after that you get like a certain percentage of it. Like I know when I did the neighborhood, they aired that in prime time twice. So I got a residual off of that and that was a pretty good one. So, you know, if it airs in prime time, then I, that, that I'm looking at my mailbox. But other than that, it just comes when it comes. <laughs> well, know? this I know, like when Cobra Kai went to 
Netflix after you know lingering and and people enjoyed it, but only if you had uh, YouTube Red. So people who had seen it loved it. But then once it went on on Netflix, it blew up. Now, Mad About You made its way to Amazon Prime, which I don't think pushes as hard. But I was excited as, as all heck to see. You. I was just like, you come in there, you're all cop security guard, which. <laughs> yeah, I played a cop. That was a, that was a nice departure from playing a security guard. That was, you know. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I was talking with Alonzo Bowden and he said the same thing. He's like, oh, my career of being a, a bouncer or whatever <laughs> in the movies. And like, yeah. I was looking at your IMDb and sure enough, the Mick security guard, the Carmichael mm-hmm. show, bouncer, the neighborhood security guard, uh, <laughs> walk the prank, watch, walk the prank security yeah, guard. Yeah. And then yeah. mad about you, of course, security guard. And yeah. then... <laughs> So, what is it? What is it with typecasting? Why can't why can't a nice big black man be a, a doctor every time? Why do they assume that you only can be a bouncer or a security guard? Yeah, I think that's that's uh they have they have to see if you can pull that off first before they give you a chance to do anything else. So if you can be a believable security guard, which I used to do security back in the day, but I stopped because I didn't think it was worth the risk. But uh, you know, so I I can they I actually had a, a little bit of a cheat code. So. Now that I've done a lot of security, hopefully they'll let me play a doctor or something. You know, I'll I'll play a garbage man even. I'll do something different other than just standing in front of the door looking like I'm, you know, checking people in and stuff. You know what I mean? (laughs) Well, let's talk about this for a second, because you're you the way you describe it. It's like, oh, it's a rite of passage. I have to do this to do that. Yeah. Are the white actors doing this, too? I mean, is it like if it's a big white if it's a big white guy? If it's a big white, like, is any big white guy we know that wants to get into acting, you know, have to go through the security guard bouncer phase of their career? It's is this? I would say 90 percent. No, 10 percent. Yes, because the 10 percent would be how he looks. If he looks, you know, if you a big bald head dude with a bunch of tattoos, then really that's kind of your window is small anyway. But, you know, if you're a pretty white guy, usually you're going to be a romantic lead or, you know, you're going to you'll be the guy. Coming out like you know, it's funny you say that because uh, I think when I did Shameless, uh, one of the guys that played Debbie's uh, love interest. I mean, this dude, this is a pretty dude. I'm talking, this dude was way too pretty to pretty much do anything else. Like he couldn't be a cop, he couldn't be you know like a plumber or nothing. So he, you know, and I, I know he had you know a lot of credentials before that, but I'm sure he's never ever had to play a security guard. I tell you that right now, he was way too pretty. So it depends on how pretty you are. You know what I'm saying? I'm like I'm like mid. Cause like if, if you a real like see if you a Tay Diggs looking black man, say Tay Diggs probably never played a security guard. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like Idris Elba probably never played a security guard. I, I can guarantee you that he might have played an FBI agent. You know what I mean? But he he never played a security guard because you know no none of the ladies are falling out over security. You know they falling out over the, the federal agent or the you know uh, he's you know he's had it he's had some interesting. Uh, Choices. He did a Tyler Perry movie. Uh, we played like a single dad that was like an alcoholic or something like that. I'm like, damn, well, you know, I never, I'll probably never get that part, but that's the part I'm the most equipped to play because I grew up in a house with an alcoholic. So I can get real alcoholism. Look, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I know the ins and outs of it, but for some reason, they just assume that I can stop people at the door, you know, take that $5 it takes to get in the door. <laughs> 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 
Well, I mean, you, you were a very believable security cop. I'm mad about you. I mean, yeah. I got to say, I was just like, first I was like, that's a, you know, well, what a cop. Did they get a real cop? And then I'm like, wait a minute, that's Ricardo. <laughs> I know, you know, unfortunately, I know cops pretty well myself. So, you know, I've, I've had plenty of experience with them growing up. So I, I, I can definitely give you that too. If you want. I could play, I want to play a detective. That's my goal, my ultimate goal. I want to play like a, a Colombo type dude, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I, that's that's one of my goals to try to play like a believable middle aged, you know, the middle aged guy with my tie kind of off center and my shirt a little bit wrinkled. I looked a little bit, you know, rough, you know, and I, but I'll solve all the cases. That's that's my that's my goal, you know, be that real intense middle aged black dude that's going to the hood and interviewing people. Where were you yesterday? Where were you at? I know you were there. There's evidence that you got people saying you were here, you know. <laughs> I think I think you'd be a great a great detective. I think you could you could even lead the the force. I think you could lead the force. Because you know, your style of delivery, I think, fits detective well, right? Because your style like your style on stage, you know, correct me if you don't like the, how I'm saying this, but like your style on stage is you kind of just say it. It's yeah. funny yeah. because it's funny. Not because right. you're not telling jokes up there. You just, if anyone listens to your, your, your style of delivery, it's just like, you just say it. And then you like, you, you realize that was freaking funny what he just said. Mm -hmm. And then they laugh. Right. And then yeah. to me, like a detective, that'd be perfect. That'd be like, you're, you're kind of Columbo-y, you know, like, you know, the perfect thing. So you'd be, you would, you would be perfect. It, and it was just, you'd go in there and you just, you get them to confess before they even realized it. <laughs> yes. Yeah, well, I'm glad you said that because see, you—that's coming from a person that watched and has heard, you know, seen me on stage numerous times. So you can actually make that assessment, and that's good. That you know, that's a good assessment. I'm glad that you know, got you know, that's what you get uh, from me on stage. That's good. That's what I like to hear. You know. So take me back to pre-detective Ricardo when before you like what got you into comedy? I mean, you said you were actually a bouncer, but like what, at what point did you like start getting on stage? What, what's your origin story with comedy? Oh, man, it's a good one because I I never got on stage. I'm from Cleveland, Ohio. Originally, that's where I grew up. And I never really got on stage there. As a matter of fact, when I was there, I was, you know, an underground rapper. I was, you know, rapping and, you know all of the underground scenes, all the, all the bars that we would go to, and then I would make music and put it on underground radio. Like, that was my passion. That's what I thought I was going to do. But then, you know, I, you know, life, you know, takes you in whatever direction. We, we're not in control. That's the first thing I think we have to realize. That's one thing you learn as you get older. You know, you realize you're not really in control of anything. Like, you know, your life will take you in any direction. And I ended up in Michigan because my father, he ended up getting stationed toward the tail end of his career. He ended up getting stationed in Michigan, in Chesterfield. And so he had called me and asked me if I wanted to come live with him. Because I had never lived with my father before. He was in the military pretty much my whole life. I, I accepted his offer. Uh, I was hesitant at first because I was like, man, you know, I never lived with him. I don't know what it'll be like, you know. But it turned out to be great, man. It was a real great experience. And uh, I ended up, you know, finishing school. And when I got done with school, he was like, hey, man, you know, it's time to get out. Now you get a job, get on your own. So I ended up moving to Ann Arbor, I got a job and uh, it was actually the cable company. I think it's uh, Time Warner at that time. I don't know the spectrum now, but I had got a job out there and I was just there. I had an apartment um, and I was just like looking for stuff to do. Basically, in my eyes, I'm in the middle of nowhere because, you know, <laughs> it's just like I'm from Cleveland. You know what I mean? Like that's the furthest I had ever been from home, period. So as far as to live, I visited other places. But so, you know, I, I was downtown Ann Arbor because I had discovered downtown Ann Arbor 
just by happenstance because it uh the, my job was close to it downtown Ann Arbor, so I would go you know get food from downtown and you know on my lunch break. So I see this poster on my lunch break that said comedy class, and, I, and it saw it was this dude on there. You know he, he real hippie looking dude. His name was uh, Chili Chalice. So I took down one of the uh they had a little thing with a number on the poster. So I ripped one of them off, and so I called the number. And uh, they told me to show up at the Ann Arbor Comedy Showcase. Uh, so I ended up, you know, I, it was at nighttime. I was like, perfect. And it was something about it. Like, I was really excited to do it. Like, I kept, I was telling everybody at my job, oh, yeah, I'm going to go take the comedy classes, you know. Like, I was, something about it, I was just really excited. And then when I took the class and I kind of, I started to learn what it was. Like, I took that class about maybe five times. And then I started, uh, the, the guy who runs the showcase, Roger, you know, Roger, um, he was there. He would always be watching me. And he told me to come do the open mic, you know. So we had a graduation class form there. But then I would start going to the open mics. I was like, oh, this is the real shit right here. Like, this is, you know, this is where it gets real. It's real people. It ain't just, you know, the friends of the graduating class showing up. And, you, of course, you're going to do good because everybody's there to support, you know. You got to go to a real open mic where the people out there to not support you. <laughs> so, you know, I ended up going to the open mics and Roger just let me get up, you know, over and over. And then, man, I just started up and it just started, I really just thought it was like amazing. You know, I thought it was like the best thing I had found to do because I, I even loved it more than making music. You know, like I, I was like, man, this just fits me. I, I felt that I found something that fit me. You know what I mean? And next thing I know, man, I just started going to every, I started going, I, I started going to Joey's in Livonia. Uh, you know, I'm I'm going to day open mic every week. You know, I, it just became such a routine, and man, I just fell in love, man. And I, just, you know, after you know a couple years, I started getting on the road, doing comedy. You know, I was the funny business. They start giving me work, and then, uh, you know, I ended up meeting people that would get me other work and stuff. So, like, you know, I just it became my job. After a while, it became like you know, I uh, matter of fact, a comic image in Chris Peters. He, uh, I ended up becoming his roommate. And uh, he ended up actually letting me stay at his place and just pursue comedy. And you know, he really looked out for me. So, you know, shout out to Chris Peters. Uh, that was one of the catalysts to me really kind of dipping my, you know, toes into the comedy water, so to speak, and really, you know, going for it. You know what I'm saying? And then after a while, I kind of I, I felt like I could I did everything I could do. You know, this was probably about maybe six, seven years in a comedy. So I ended up moving to Los Angeles. and. Uh, you know, I've been out here ever since 2013 and, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's been like, you know, I've just been on this, you know, path and it took me away from everything I knew and put me in everything I didn't know, made me uncomfortable, you know, it, it made me broke, took all my money you know? <laughs> and, uh, you know, but, you know, it, it, it's actually just, it's been the best thing that, you know, ever happened to me, really, especially because I needed comedy, you know, like, uh, the reason I left home anyway was because I had a lot of you know, I'm just discovering this now. I had a, a talk with somebody and, you know, it's all, it was almost therapeutic for me because I realized, like, due to the, you know, my home circumstances, I ended up getting kicked out when I was about 16 because uh, I got into an altercation with my mother's husband. And I had a lot of anger in my heart. I didn't even realize it, you know, so I, I really was just lost from the circumstances and not wanting to be where I was anymore. And it just, you know, the, the universe set it up where I ended up getting away from there and I found comedy, you know, and that, that's what, that's where I belong. You know, that's a, that's a great story. I didn't, I did not know 
a lot of that. So thank you for sharing. You know, it's funny because I got the same advice early on and I, I always share it. I was doing the clubs. I was doing good because I was bringing people and mm -hmm. Mark Ridley. I used to, I did, I did Ann Arbor a lot with Roger, but then also I did Ridley's Mark Ridley's a lot. And one yeah. day Mark, oh, yeah. one, one day Mark pulls me aside. And I thought when you're starting to do open mic, you're supposed to tell everyone to come, right? Because those are our shows. Right. That's what right, we're right. doing. He pulls me aside one day and he says, Jeff, you need to stop inviting people. The only way to find out if you're really funny is to do this in front of strangers. And I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, find some people who just, you need the audience that really, it's funny. It's like a funny dynamic in comedy because the, the, the overall consensus is usually you come there to laugh, right? But most of the time you find audiences come there to not laugh. They actually come there to, make you prove that you can make them laugh. Like, you know, they just have that kind of, you know, I'm not going to laugh at this guy attitude. And like, you know, to be able to win those people over is really kind of what, you know, helps you grow as a comedian. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think, I think that's like one of the main things that kind of is what translates then into other parts of your life, whether it be yeah. just being silly with the waitress at the restaurant or, you know, just, you know, in a, be able to diffuse something with strangers or being at work, or I'm sure when you were doing customer service at, at Time Warner, it's like you, you get to like, there's a different level of being able to control that conversation where they don't know you're really controlling the conversation because you're not, you're, you're allowing everything to happen, but you, you, in such a way that it can peacefully move and people can enjoy it and you can inject laughter and they don't even, I always joke with my, my family, I'll make a joke and the waitress will laugh. And you know what I mean yeah. when I say when someone laughs, when a comedian makes a joke versus someone who just, ha ha. <laughs> yeah, I mean? yeah, exactly. It's a, it's a difference. It's a skill. We got the skill set, you know? It's, like it's we just different. And because my, my kids always laugh at me because I'll make the waitress laugh or something and she'll, you know, good laugh and she'll walk away and I'll just kind of make a look at, at the kids and I'll be like, she didn't even know she was dealing with a professional. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah dude, I, I use that actually uh, working at Time Warner because uh, uh, I was on the phone with a guy who was like, he was like 60 days past doing this bill. And, you know, I had to break the news to him that, you know, we weren't turning the services back on. And, you know, I, I had to tell him, well, you know, because he was blaming us. You know, he's like, well, you know, you guys are doing this to me. I got all these kids. And I had to tell him, like, well, sir, you, you have to pay your bill or your services will be, you know, disconnected. We can't provide you services. And he goes, F you, Ricardo. And I was like, wow, that came deep from your heart, didn't it? And then he started laughing, you know, because, he, you know, he, they don't expect you to, you know, be on your toes like that. You know what I'm saying? So once, he, once I said that and he started laughing and we kind of had a general conversation and he ended up paying his past due and got his services reconnected. So, it's, you know, it's a useful skill for sure. Yeah, I you know? think it's it's the ability to react that quickly to something. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, you know, somebody saying F you, you know, with your name attached to it, that was personal. So, you know, the, you know, usually a lot of people would crumble because that's daunting. That's like, you know, that's shocking. You know, you don't expect to hear that, you know, especially not so personalized. You know what I'm saying? But he, that dude was angry, obviously, you know, so just to be able to diffuse that is, is you know, that's that's why we get into comedy because, you know, that's what we're pretty much doing is taking the air out of, you know, anything tense. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think I speak for myself and everyone, the lowest moment in, in your life can, when you take it out on the random person that answered the phone. <laughs> 
He was pissed. He was, he was not happy. But, you know, it was, it was whatever was going on in his life, it was something going on. Because, you know, that's pretty much, we all project. That's like, I think, especially as I get older, that's one thing I learned that, you know, that's what you're dealing with about 70% of the time is somebody projecting on you for whatever reason. You know what I'm saying? So you just kind of got to just deal with it. Or, you know, and that's why comedy is useful because without comedy, will we even be able to deal with that in a positive manner? You know what I mean? Like, we probably, you know, end up fighting or something if somebody, you know, comes at us sideways like that. But not really, not with comedy. You know, we can use our words. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> which, which is the best. That's the best. Using your words is the best. <laughs> the words are the best. So, okay, so let's let's talk a more. So when you went, you, did you move out to LA? Is like, is your goal right now to be like, would you want to be a full-time actor on a show or do you want to be a full-time comic? Man, if I could find a way to weave both of those into the situation, that would be great, man. If I could just, you know, if I get a series regular and that would open the door to me, you know, doing, you know, touring and being able to take some of my friends out with me, that would be great. You know, that's that, that's the ultimate goal because, you know, comedy is still cheap for me. You know, even though I do other things like, you know, make music and stuff like that, like comedy is still cheap. That's That's like what I enjoy the most. That's what. Like, I just want to talk about, it. you know, there's so much stuff going on, especially in the last four years. And I'm like, well, you know, there's no other avenue where you can really talk about it in the way you want to talk about it. You know, like I got so much, so many opinions that, <laughs> that I can't let loose, you know, acting, which I'm, you know, I'm telling somebody else's story. If I'm at, you know, if I'm if I'm making music, I'm just trying to be cool or something or, you know, just displaying a skill. But comedy is where you can really kind of let your opinion loose, you know. Even, you know, regardless of, you know, as, you know, people say now everything is so tense now, people are saying that, you know, you got to watch what you say and, you know, stuff like that. I'm just like, well, you know, you got to watch what you say if, if it sucks. You know, that's, you know, that's the difference. You know, if, it, if what you say is terrible, then yeah, of course. You know, <laughs> you <gotta watch>. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you're going to be a racist asshole. Yes. There's yeah. never going to be, there's never going to be a good time for that. <laughs> no, there's no door for that. There's, you know, there's no audience for that either, which is weird because it's like people think like, you know, they, they think they can pay an audience for that. It's like, well, you know, nobody's going to be in public laughing at that. You know, they might, they might you know, download it secretly and laugh, but ain't nobody going to be in the public venue <laughs> cracking up where somebody could take pictures, you know. <laughs> There's no time, you know. <laughs> so of all the shows you've been on, has anyone recognized you in public? From which show? Yeah, uh, I had a lady uh, when I first did Shameless, like when and it aired, because it, it, it aired probably a little bit after we filmed it. And so I'm on the train. Uh, I was actually taking an Orange Line, uh, which is is like a bus, but it runs on the train tracks, which is weird. I don't know what the purpose of that is. It's really literally a bus driving down the street, but they got tracks it's attached to, but whatever. So this lady kept staring at me. She was an older Hispanic lady. She was staring at me hard, dog. I'm talking like, I mean, I got uncomfortable. I, I like, I had to say something. I'm like, how you doing? She's like, oh, hello. You, you shameless? You the one shameless? I was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was me. She was like, oh, okay. No, I, you know, I see you. I didn't know to say anything or nothing. <laughs> I was like, it's cool. You can say something. I would much rather you say something than stare at me like I just stole your purse or something. You know what I mean? So. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so yeah, that was that was one incident. 
I, you know, I do deliveries, uh, uh, you know, just to pay the bills, you know, between things, especially right now while production is down. And I had a dude recognize me from the mic. I had dropped his groceries off and I knocked on the door to let him know they was there. He opened the door and looks. I'm like, hey, sir, how you doing? And he looked at me. He was like, you was on the mic, wasn't you? I said, yeah. He was like, oh, man, you delivering groceries? <laughs> I said, yeah, man. You know, <laughs> till I can get that real road, I'm just what I'll be doing. <laughs> and, uh, there's Ricardo killing everyone's acting dreams. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> There it is. Wait a minute. I could be on the mic one day and also be do deliveries. You sure can. If that's what you aspire to, baby, you can do it. <laughs> you can you can be on Shameless and drive Uber, baby. Let's go. You know. <laughs> Did you get to hang with William H Macy at all? Yeah, we uh, oddly enough, because we we filmed on this real hot day, man. It was scorching. I didn't have a car at this time, so I felt the scorch extra because I had to take the bus all the way to Pasadena. And I was living in this, you know, faraway land called Winneka. If you can see the proximity, you'd be like, why were you living there? But I had a job there. So uh, I took the bus out there. We were filming at this like church. It was like a, it was like a church and a school combined, but they had like, it was two times. The first time was on the lot, on the um, Warner Brothers lot. Is that Warner Brothers? Yeah, that's Warner Brothers, Warner Brothers lot. They had like a, cause you know, a lot of those, uh, they film in Chicago. But they have some scenes that are set up, you know, back at the studio. They just basically recreated it. So there's a bar that they go to that they had recreated the set for that. And he was there between set. We were sitting in the back. They had because they didn't have any trailers. So we sat actually in the back room. And uh, I was in there with him and uh, two of the other actors that played on there. The real big guy. He was real cool, too. Uh, and he was just in the back playing his ukulele. He was just he was just sitting back there stroking his ukulele. You know, cracking jokes, laughing or whatever. But when when there was downtime and nobody was talking, he'd just be bling 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 bling. bling you know, just playing the ukulele. <laughs> just a real down to earth kind of guy. You always appreciate seeing the down to earth dude who drives a Porsche. You know what I mean? So that was yes. that was real good. That was real cool, man. <laughs> I'm a down to earth guy. He drives a Cadillac. <laughs> that's just as good. A Cadillac is great, man. <laughs> My father's a Cadillac man. That's that's his that's his shit. You know he ain't, <laughs> he ain't trying to hear nothing else but a Cadillac. Can you? I can't interest him in nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the kind of guy. Once I get a car, it's like I just I, I only get the same car over and over again because it, it involves no effort to just go back to the dealership, turn it in, and get a new. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you don't have to learn about new features. The only reason I don't have a Saturn today is because they went out of business. <laughs> <laughs> they made you switch cars. They made me switch. It was like, what do you mean you're going out of business? You're going out of business? <laughs> we got a real rhythm here. I got. I love this Saturn. I love Saturn. Oh, man. Yeah, man. Yeah, those are nice cars, man. Just nobody was, you know, I don't know why, but they didn't sell. They didn't sell that good. I don't know why. They were pretty nice. They had like a four-door model, a sedan that was real nice, but I, but nobody bought them. But they were real nice, you know. They like the Saab. You remember the Saab? Mm-hmm. Yeah, nobody bought those, but those were nice. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, you know, mad about you, right? Um, Paul Reiser is like one of my favorite comedians of all time. Uh, kind of growing up, he's like. But uh, what what was him? What was Paul hanging out with Paul Reiser because you because you were in a scene you were with everyone actually Carol Burnett was in that scene I mean there was like everyone was in that scene because that was like the goodbye birthday party scene yeah. where it was like the very last episode so that actually now that I think of it Carol Burnett was there I want to know did you get to meet Carol Burnett I didn't meet her I saw her though but I didn't meet her 
Uh-huh. I met Helen Hunt though, which was she she gave me a hug, which was nice. She took a picture with me that I could send to my mom. So oh, that was cool. cool. Did you get to meet Paul Reiser or I did. He came up to me uh after I filmed my scene. I did about maybe four takes and uh he came up to me. He's like, Oh, well, the man came, he saw he conquered and gave me a you know a handshake. He was real cool. He was real cool, real down to earth guy. All of them, all of them were pretty nice. It was it was you know who directed it? You remember the mom from Growing Pain? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She directed, she directed it the episode. Okay. She was real cool. Yeah. I, I enjoyed the reboot. It was it was a good reboot. It was um kind of struck me like the original series. I enjoyed while mm-hmm. I was watching it and I can't remember it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They, 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 <laughs> I mean I remembered you. I took a picture. I took a picture. I'm like, I, yeah. I got my camera out. I took a picture of you on the screen and I was so excited. I was so excited nice. to see you. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. <laughs> I, I didn't know you were in it. All of a sudden I'm like, I'm like, oh my God, that's I said to my wife, that's Ricardo. And she goes and she, <laughs> She's like, Are you sh-? <laughs> like, like, that's awesome. Yeah, that you know, that's that's the best thing too. Like when people see you and they don't expect it, you know, like, and that's why I don't say nothing. If I feel like, you know, when, when I first got like a role or two, I was excited, so I'd be like, hey, yeah, I did this, you know. But then I learned to just kind of keep quiet about it and let people see it. That's, that's always cool. the best. Yeah. Let's see what else. Oh, you did an episode of Insecure. Issa Ray yeah. to me is like hilarious. Is that how you say her yeah. name? But yeah, it is. That was so- that's how you say it. She is so funny. She is. You've been yes, on a lot man. of good shows. Yeah, man. Man. Oh, man. I, man, that's, you know, knock on wood, you know. I'm going to knock on this. <laughs> this ain't wood, but I'm going to knock on it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, it's a blessing, man. It's a real blessing, especially. It's been it's been definitely uh, a long road, you know what I'm saying? Like a challenging road to get there and just, you know, it's always, you know, you know, some circumstances like nobody really knows what's going on, but you know, you broke as hell or, you know, uh, you know, you got, you, you lost something significant. Like I had just, my car, I had a, uh, I had a Ford Taurus and, uh, I had just lost it, um, at the airport when we, we, uh, we filmed that, uh, I was out of town and I was actually in Michigan and I was there for like two weeks and my car had got, uh, impounded from the flyaway like the day after I, uh, left. So I had no clue it was even in the impound. So, I wasn't good when I came back and found out where it was. And, you know, they were charging me per day, like hundreds of dollars. So I was like, this car's gone. So I was filming that, you know, <laughs> on the bus. <laughs> you know, no, you know, I filmed, I, it was, you know, it was a wild time. It was, but, you know, I, it was, I was glad that uh, I got a chance to do it. And it really just kind of gave me a lot of hope, you know what I'm saying, to, to stay out here. Because, you know, it's, it's challenging, man, when you come out here, especially from, the Midwest, and this is nothing like the Midwest. It's completely different. It's a lot bigger, you know, a lot more going on. So to be able to come here and find a way to, you know, develop a routine here is, you know, that that really kind of gave me a lot of hope as far as staying here and, you know, keep fighting toward reaching my goals. You know what I mean? That's so awesome. But yeah, you're you're a fighter. You're a fighter. And you you've been put you've been putting together an amazing resume. Well let's talk about I have one more thing I want to talk about. Last comic standing. Ah, yeah, yeah. That was, yeah. That's when I first, first got, that was like, yeah, that was like a year after I got here. Um, That was a really good experience. That was like my first time really doing any kind of TV, you know, uh, seeing what, you know, really went on behind the scenes and stuff. I met Wanda Sykes, you know, two things. I met a lot of stuff happened on that, that, you know, didn't air. Um, Sidebar, by the way, to go back to Insecure, I just want to say this before I forget. Regina King, actually re- directed the episode I was in Insecure. She was, she was like, I got notes from her. She came up to me and told me what to do when they had went across the street and put the camera there to, to, to get my reaction. So 
that was a that was really cool to meet her and Issa Rae on the same day. That was pretty dope. So back to uh, last time standing. Um, so I'm there. You know, I'm we. They had us in this room in the back of the stage. So we was there. Like that. We actually, as a matter of fact, they made us stay at a hotel that was right next to the studio because uh, of the NBC lot. So I was staying in this hotel, this nice room, but we couldn't really like go, you know, leave or anything like that. So we, I was just there with other comics. So I'm giving everybody rides to Walmart that need to go pick stuff up. So, you know, I could, <laughs> so we was going to Walmart. I took Miss Pat there. She went to get like a, a bunch of stuff for, to, for her hair stylist to do her hair and stuff like that. So that was cool. Her hairstylist was fine too, by the way. I just wanted to throw that in there. She was her, her hairstylist, man. Man, but uh, so we uh been in this back room this whole time. So they had us do each. I made it to the semifinal. So each episode that we filmed, we had to go do these different little things to for like the shortcuts of the show. I ended up meeting Wanda Sykes. She pulled us all to the side and like had a one on one with us about that was supposed to air on the show, but mine didn't air. But Wanda Sykes, she told me that she really liked my material and she was like, she sees me as a like a real comedian, you know. I was like, man, that's crazy just to have her say that to me. Then we were filming the semifinal episode and Norm MacDonald said that I was his favorite comic in the competition. But of course that didn't air, but uh, I met him right after that. And I, you know, he gave me a hug. He was a real cool dude. Uh, Keenan Ivory Wayans was there and Roseanne. Um, but I had good set. Anthony Jeselnik was the host. And after my first round, he didn't really speak to anybody or like that. But after my second set, I went backstage to wait for them to take me across the lot. And he came up to me. He was like, hey, man, that was a good set. I was like, damn, that's crazy. You know what I'm saying? So that was a real good experience, man. That was uh, that was fun. That was fun. That was that was a good time. That was pretty awesome. Anthony Jeselnik, I oh, saw really? him in Las Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> He's funny. He's a funny dude. I was going to ask yeah. you if you got to meet him. So did you maintain any connections with like Wanda Sykes or? No, that all dissipated. That, that all, you know, just, just like everything does. You know, you know, you see them and then it's kind of like having co-workers, you know, you see them at work and then after work, you know, you don't see them until work again. So, you know, same thing. But it's cool. If if any of them remember me, that would be surprising. You know, it's been a, that was years ago. So but uh, I always had that memory just to keep, you know, if ever I'm down, I just always keep in mind that Wanda Sykes, who I think is really funny, said that I was funny. So, you know, that that works, you know, and Norman Collins. Yeah, those are two of the greats. Yeah, I bet they would remember you. You're not. You're not exactly forgettable. <laughs> oh, you're. I mean, how many comedian? How many comedians slash security not guards many, come? Not many. You know, <laughs> they don't. Not somebody who can really do it. I can really do it. If they needed me to do it, I could do it. <laughs> I could really be a bouncer. I could really. Yeah. I got like another five years of being a bouncer, and after that, I'll probably the the intimidation factor will probably dwindle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So you have two albums out, uh, Man Law and Hope You're Proud. And those are all both available, right? You can get those on Amazon or anything like that. Everyone listening, Ricardo is seriously one of the funniest comedians. And when he, if it's touring and he comes to your town, you got to definitely check him out because he's, he's just so, so funny. But to get your Ricardo fix before that, check out either of his albums. And I'll put links to them in the, in the show notes. And then you were on Laughs. We were both hey, on that go. TV show. Yeah, that nice. was on Laughs, too. <laughs> we share credit, baby. There we go. <laughs> we share one credit. Yeah. We, I was. I yeah. played a security guard. I remember. <laughs> <laughs> well, I thought you were, wait a minute, you the cop or the security guard? Well, I thought you were a cop. 
Well, they called me in because they said it. They lured the only said yes because oh, they said I could be a detective. Nice. <laughs> and then they're like, "No, no, you're going to be a security guard." So, Damn! Oh well, hey, you know that's all that matters. You got the credit, you know. That's that's what matters, you know. Well, if it makes you feel better, I told this story once on a, on another on another episode. But I auditioned once in Michigan because remember they were doing a whole thing in Michigan once with uh, yeah, credits yeah. and stuff like that, and. It was the worst thing ever. I, I was like uh, applying for this. Uh, I was trying out for this guy. He was supposed to be like, uh, probably like a cocky guy that wears a sweater <laughs> over his shoulder. And then they, it was horrible. Yeah, so bad. I didn't yeah. sign the waiver. I didn't sign oh, the damn, waiver. Okay. That's how bad it was. <laughs> so they said they want me to call back. They yeah. they wanted me to come back. I'm like, what? And then on the PDF, it says nerdy oh, TSA what? agent. Okay. So I'm with, I'm with my wife. And she's like, nerdy TSA agent. I'm like, I know. This is ridiculous. I double uh, click on it. That was shortened from super nerdy. What? <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, I'm like this on, is the man. worst day of Come my on, life. <laughs> so you know what? You cherish those security <laughs> slash cop roles. Come on, man. That, that's, you know, that that's why they got these committees now to make sure they don't uh, put disrespectful uh, part names on, on scripts and all. <laughs> Yeah, that was the worst. That's crazy, man. You should you should find out who that is. I'm gonna find out who that was that wrote that, man, and, and pay him a visit for you. <laughs> yeah, I know. It was funny because on an earlier episode, actually, I found the script um, that I had to read, and I I did it. Oh, I nice, did it man. on my show. I got to yeah, figure out yeah, which episode man. it was. <laughs> but you just reminded me of it. So so so, what's next for Ricarlo? Oh man, um. I just uh, actually, you know, production is kind of really slow. So I'm just auditioning for commercials right now. And uh, hopefully I can knock one of them out and, you know, production will come back. We'll get back to getting on shows, playing detectives or security guards, you know. And, uh, I'm actually writing. I'm trying to sit down and uh, make myself write another hour out. So that's like I want to either do another album or try to go for getting a special. So that's my next uh, my next uh, bullet point. That's what, what do they call that? A benchmark. That's my next benchmark to try to do. Yeah. Okay, I like that. That's good, and, and that's a good that's a good next step. Okay, now th- this is the normal part of the show where I ask you to tell everyone where they can keep up with you on the social medias. But but I okay. want to do it differently with you because I know you can do Barack Obama's voice. I want you as Barack Obama to tell everyone where to find Ricardo Flanagan. Uh, well, if you're on social media, uh, what you want to do if you want to follow Ricardo because uh, he has he has some jokes. You, you get a laugh if you want to get a laugh and. Uh, He's at, he's at Father Flanagan uh, on Twitter and uh, Instagram. Uh, F-A-T-H-E-R-F-L-A-N-A-G-N. You know, usually it's usually G-A-N, but he had to omit the A because someone else had it. So it's uh, at Father Flanagan. Follow him there. And um, hopefully you'll be entertained because he says now sometimes he, he can get a little crazy. Sometimes he can get a little crazy. You know, you you, you, you might want to you know, avoid it because he might get a little crazy. But if you, if you got the appetite for it, you can handle it at Father Flanagan. Bravo, sir. <laughs> Thank you so much. It was really fun hanging with yeah, you. Yeah, man. Likewise, bro. It's been too long, man. It's been way too long. Well, thanks for hanging out. <laughs> Ricardo Flanagan, everybody. A shining star gone too soon. Upon reflection, as I was listening to the interview, I realized a couple of things. One is social media has kind of tricked us into thinking that, you know, when we interact, we're being social. Realizing it was seven years since we had actually kind of had a conversation outside of just back and forth on social media, you know, because, you know, you have certain friends that you have throughout your life where even if you don't see them when you do talk, like when we when like when Carlo and I reconnected and we're talking on that during that interview, you know, we had a great time as if no time had passed. 
but time does pass. And, you know, the lesson I learned is it's important to reach out to people that you want to reach out to and talk to and make sure that you maintain connections on a real personal level. I think we've gotten too much into texting and DMing and, you know, hearing someone's voice and making each other laugh. There's nothing that can actually replace that. LOL, LOL doesn't really do it. So a couple of things. One, go to Amazon Music, download Ricardo's Man Law album, listen to it, take in his humor. When, when we remember people, they're always with us. So definitely check him out and, and definitely uh, search up his IMDb. I'll put a link in the show notes. You can see all the appearances he made on all the shows. He had done so much. It was so, so amazing. And, and there were so many great places for him still to go. Check out his albums on Amazon Music. Just search up Ricardo Flanagan. Treat yourself to that and then call up somebody who you haven't talked to in a while, have a chat with them, and let's actually get social. All right. Well, with the interview over, that can only mean one thing. That's right. It's time for a trending hashtag from the family of hashtags at hashtag roundup. Follow us on Twitter at hashtag roundup. Download the free, always free, never costs a penny app at the Google or Apple Play stores. Get notified every time a hashtag game goes live. Play along and one day one of your tweets may show up on a future episode of Live from Detroit, the Jeff DeWaskin Show. Fame and fortune await you. This week's hashtag is hashtag weird reasons to be arrested. Thought it would be a fun hashtag to play since Ricardo and I talk so much about him playing security guards and cops. So I thought it'd be fun if we all played hashtag weird reasons to be arrested from PBJ Tags, a weekly game on hashtag roundup. You just tweet a weird reason to get arrested. Use the hashtag hashtag weird reasons to be arrested. And suddenly you're Twitter famous. All right, I'm going to read a few right now. Here's some hashtag weird reasons to be arrested. Ketchup on a hot dog at the ballpark. That should get you immediately tossed. Starting every sentence with so, so, how are you? So, that's definitely a weird reason to get arrested, but you should definitely get arrested. Wearing Crocs with socks in public. How dare you? Overdo library books. These are all hashtag weird reasons to be arrested. Putting the toilet paper on the wrong way. In my house, that's not a weird reason. Asking the chef for salt. Oh, in the wrong restaurant. That'll get you more than arrested. Being criminally cute. Ooh, I've been arrested for this one on numerous occasions, am I right? Eating ketchup on pizza? That's a crime in many, many countries. Eating the last slice of pizza? That's a crime everywhere. And the final weird reason to be arrested? Eating pineapple on pizza. Oh, there were oddly a lot of pizza responses to hashtag weird reasons to be arrested. People love their pizza and are willing to send you to jail if you disrupt that love. Good luck, society. Well, with the hashtag game over and the interview over, that can only mean one thing. That's right, we've come to the end of another episode. Can you believe it? Episode 108 is coming to a close. I wanna thank all of you for celebrating Ricardo Flanagan with me. I truly appreciate that. And I truly appreciate you all coming back week after week. It means the world to me. And I'll see you next time. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of The Jeff Dwoskin Show with your host, Jeff Dwoskin. Now go repeat everything you heard and sound like a genius. Catch us online at thejeffdwoskinshow.com or follow us on Twitter at Jeff Dwoskin Show. And we'll see you next time.